We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. And today, it's show number two this week, and we are talking boxing on this show. It was a crazy weekend in boxing, mainly because we had the fight between Kel Brook and Terrence Crawford. But a lot went on around that that we're going to touch on during this show today. And then, of course, we have to talk a little bit about Katie Taylor because she put on a show herself earlier in the day on Saturday that we cannot skip over. Talk a little bit about where the women stand on the pound-for-pound rankings as well. But first, Dre, a new versus has been confirmed. We thought this whole time it was going to be T.I. versus Jeezy. And we're like, okay. We broke it down. We talked about it when it was speculation around it. Who would win? Now it's switched up a bit. Now it's Jeezy versus Kuwa. Gucci Mane, the fake Gucci, however you want to put it, clone Gucci. We have both of them allegedly showing up at the same place to have this battle. Is there a chance that this goes horribly wrong? Of course there is. Um, for the record, I you remember I said I didn't give a shit about Jeezy and T.I.? 
I yeah. really don't care about this one. Oh, I thought you were going to say you finally give a shit about this. No, I I will not even the only reason why I watch is for shenanigans. Cuz you know, somebody died. You know what I'm saying? This is like 50 Cent and Ja Rule having a versus and they stick them in the same room together and be like, what could go wrong? Like, someone mm-hmm. legit died in this beef. Yeah, like there like, was a murder in this feud, right? Like, oh. yeah. I mean, look, man, if you got, if people can bury the hatchet, okay. But what happens if they play one of their diss songs? Oh, I, I fully believe Gucci would play a diss song. The other one got to play the diss song. You just got to go back and forth. I don't think I know more than five Gucci Mane songs, though. I mean, I know. Like, Lemonade. in a catalog. Yeah, I know Lemonade. <laughs> no Lemonade. Hey, listen, uh, I've never played the Wayne fan. verse. That, mm-hmm. that Wayne verse where he had the feature on. It's fucking crazy. Um, that's all I really know. Yeah, I don't I know care. I know five. I, this, I can't this remember is, the other three. This is one verse that I'm just like, you can count me out because I don't care. I was looking forward to T.I. I wasn't. Sorry. T.I.'s catalog is strong. I was looking. I told you why I was looking for it. I was like, Jeezy? I've, Jeezy's catalog? I'm just, I'm just never been a big fan. And people get mad. It's like, you didn't like Jeezy? No. I was not a big Jeezy. Just because I mean, y'all bought that shit. 101 hey. was legit. Everyone got to admit that. I don't. What? what? Again, spoiler alert. The second half of this hip-hop conversation is about classic rap albums. That some people may not consider classic, but they are. And one that is never in question is TM 101. That is a classic rap album. Yeah, no, it's not. What? what? We, why is, we have why switched is, places. It's like Freaky Friday in here. No, it's not. Why is this a classic album? What do you mean why it's a classic album? Why? Every track was dope on that album. No, it had four singles. So as well, a lot of all hot. Yeah, okay, I'm just saying. All four singles hit. Debut album. A lot of debuts hit the world like, you know, a firestorm. This is one of them. A lot of that music holds up today and people bump it. Not what me. do you mean? That album was crazy. Sorry. <sighs> Manny Fresh came through and blessed it. There was that was the perfect storm for Jeezy. Like it was, of course, cocaine rap. Now I think that was maybe him and T.I., but I'd say that was probably one of the last times Atlanta was really commercial with talking about selling drugs instead of doing drugs. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> wow. 101 isn't a classic? Mm-mm. You are I've heard, bugging. He's going to have heard, to play half that album in his verses, too, by the way. Uh, sure, but... He's here, here's this by a landslide, though, so I'm he, not even... Concerned. Here's my thing about Jeezy. And many people won't agree. And look, I'm totally fine with this. I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> there are so many dope boys rappers who have been better than Jeezy. And what Jeezy is rapped about has been rapped about better by other dope boy rappers. So that album, which has one theme throughout, being a dope boy, is not the best dope boy rapper album out there. And we've talked about this. We and have. I don't recall. I don't recall you bringing up Jeezy. So how can this be a classic album when his one gimmick? I definitely brought up Jeezy. Did you? I can't recall. It was like right after Push. I brought up Jeezy. Did you? you can't, I can't. You can't, I can't have remember. a dope boy conversation without the snowman. I, Everyone. Listen, 
I was in New York over the summer and people were rocking snowman t-shirts. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't care. This doesn't make a classic album. That makes cla- that makes nice clothes for a week. A lot of people wore G Unit tank tops. <laughs> that didn't make the G Unit the best group of all time. Yeah, I it's unfortunate. I've heard other people like there are very few times where I've heard a Jeezy verse with somebody else where I was like, Jeezy killed that person on that song. Wow. Um, no, I can't think of one. Yeah. I mean, so, Plies killed him on his own track. <laughs> Plies came through and did something dirty. Do you know how embarrassing that is? To get outdone to get by washed Plies? by Plies? Yeah, that's tough. And this man has a that classic album is what you're telling me? Okay. He does. He does. But I'm okay. just saying, Plies washed him. Two Chains came through and washed him on the track. Um, how does this man have a classic Jay album? Washed if, him on a track. How has he got a classic album? He's consistently getting washed in his own. We're songs. talking about features and like different. Tra- I'm just like, saying. Again, I'm not. A lot of those aren't on 101, so I don't know what to tell you. 102, 103. Yeah, people started sliding through and washing them on his own tracks. I mean. Were the bars that incredible? Did I miss something? Because I, I don't hear what y'all been hearing. Yeah, that shit hit the earth like a comet. That's like saying... I don't want to jump too far ahead because I have like a full list for these should have been classics. Like I got like three of them. You had a list of six. But it's one of those regional joints that drops and you're just like, yo. Like it makes you feel like the culture of that city at that time. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I really felt like motherfuckers thought they were from Atlanta, like on some snowman shit. Like, and you could be from bumfuck Montana, but it just transported you with that feel. Mm, okay, if you say so. Where were you around this time? Like, where were you writing around this time? Uh, who was? I hope you didn't have to review this album. No, I didn't review this album. Oh um, God, I think I reviewed the <laughs> Doug Motivation too. Um. You would have dropped the ranking a ton with your review. Oh, I mean, listen, true story. Uh, Thug Motivation, the second, 102, was, what year was that? 2006? Seven? 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 They had me review that, and I was like, this is a bad, for the source. And I was like, this is a bad idea. And they were like, no, 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 you should review it. I was like, are you sure about this? I'm not a Jeezy fan. No, 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 you have a real, you know, go ahead, review it. I reviewed it. I shit it on it. They changed my review. What? Yep. It's like you can't do this. The label's gonna be pissed. I said like, I tried to tell y'all. Like I'm, I was trying to be very transparent in saying, give this review to somebody else, because if you give it to me, what you're doing is eventually is is, is telling somebody, especially somebody like me who loves like underground hip hop and doesn't give a shit about mainstream dope boy rap, especially from a rapper who I don't think is that good. You give me a license to just shit on it. And yes, there's going to be a lot of cats, backpackers, quote unquote, who are going to agree with me, but that's not the source's audience. You guys are trying to go wide. Don't do this. They're like, no, go ahead and review it. I was like, okay. I reviewed that shit, shitted on it. They changed my fucking review. <laughs> He's like, this is a good business. I was like, I warned you. It wasn't good business to give me that review. You should have known know your audience. There's certain things that I just won't give to certain people. As an editor, like, if you don't watch women's boxing, I'm not going to have you write, you know, interview, like, Terry Harper. Because yeah. you don't know who that is. And I'm like, why would I make you do it? Well, then do the research. No, no. You should know Fuck your it. subject. Sucks, by the way, Terry Harper broke her hand. Yeah, but no. Nonetheless. Um, it's so crazy. So, 101 starts off, Doug Motivation 101. 
then standing ovation. All right, cool. But gangster music, let's get it. And then what? Followed by Go Crazy, Last of a Dying Breed, My Hood. Those are the first eight songs on that album. Yeah, I don't give a shit about any of them, except for Go Crazy, because Don Cannon destroyed that beat. Man, he destroyed it, and then what? Yeah, I'm cool. Let's get Listen, it. Cra- Yo, you will never convince get your me. Mind that- right. You will never listen. I can I can go if you guys want to say Gigi had a great album and I loved it. Cool, classic. No, Soul Survivor. I hated that song. Yo, oh my god. Yo, I'm losing it right now. Wow, how did I not know this about you? Well, that explains this whole versus thing then. So I don't I don't know who you think is gonna win. I don't care. I don't know any Gucci albums that might be classic. I can't believe you said one of one's not classic. It's not but a classic. Sure Gucci's not a classic. gonna be playing mixtape shit. I don't, I don't know. This battle may not be hey, for man, me, but I'm tuning in. For you to say this is a classic album, what's so groundbreaking about this album? I didn't say it had to be groundbreaking. It's I, it's strong from give me front something. to back, and I explained to you that's a good album. It's right? one of the yes, it's one of those albums. Where even if you weren't from Atlanta, I had never been to Atlanta in my life. A lot of people had never been to Atlanta in their life. And it made you feel as though you were in that environment. Like you got a taste of that environment. It's what I hope people, and I feel like a lot of people don't and don't even open up to, do when they listen. Not comparing the level of classics here either, by the way. But when they listen to Illmatic, I hope people go into it and leave with the feeling of... I know what the fuck New York is about. Like, Nas made me feel like I was in New York. And I was a fucking New Yorker. I want to go outside and put my ballys on. Like, you, you want to go outside and wear velour with fucking Tim's, like, constructs, and walk down the block. You want that feeling. Nas painted that picture. He gave you that feeling. To me, Jeezy gave you that, yo, super Atlanta trapper feeling. Hmm. And that's why it was a classic album when it dropped. Yeah, I, I don't... I can I can listen to people say oh, I really like that album. It's a really good album. I can say it's a four. I can listen to all that. I can't listen to the classic talk because for me, it's there's there's nothing groundbreaking about that album. There's nothing that's Jeezy's not a great rapper. Jeezy had some solid production. Jeezy didn't do anything different than anybody else was doing. Better than anybody else was doing it. To call it a classic album. Like, do you think the game's documentary is a classic? Okay, so the fact that you that's, just breathe really hard about that, but you can say Jeezy's a classic? I would say a- yes. I would, I would say yes. We're really shitting on my list coming up here in a second. Yes, I would say the documentary is a classic album, hmm. which is going to make something I say on my list portion here in a second even more wild. But yes. Okay. Yes, I would say that is a classic. A lot of people's best albums or quote unquote classics are their first albums. I mean, so like yeah. I, I would give the fifty album, which is technically a second because Power Dollars first, but you know, his major labor debut debut would be his best and classic album. Um game, same thing with documentaries. So yeah, it is a classic album. Yeah, I don't think it's a classic I, album. You don't think games is either? Mm-mm. Nope. I think it's a I good feel album. bad. I know. I, think, I know that you're an old man already. When you truly become an old man, and someone gives you the bag to like teach like a course at a college part time, to be like, oh, Professor Hale, they're gonna have you teach like 
some wild ass course and people are going to be writing papers and you're just going to be giving everyone B pluses. Like I don't grade on a curve. That's why I won't be a teacher. <laughs> just just a, a professor, a professor of something and just shitting on people. Uh, listen, and they'd man. be like, I never got in a B in my life. You're like, oh, take See, this 89%. People will say, take this and not me saying game doesn't have a classic and say he's shitting on game. No, I think game had a really, 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 really good album. But it's not classic. I, I don't think there's nothing in that out. Al- there's nothing, not nothing. There are some really good moments in that album. Really yeah. good moments. I think it's a very strong four and a half album if you want to go that route. But a five? A classic? Because what I end up doing is like, does it compare to Illmatic? Does it? No. Okay, but all five star matches aren't created equal as well. Like, no, but if, if every but if, five star match is in Steamboat Flair, which is true. But if I can't put you in the same category as it, then you're not a classic. If I don't feel any, because what it's a feeling, it's also what it does. It also captures an element of time, and it changes something in hip hop. Game didn't do any of those things for me. Jeezy didn't do any of those things for me. So if you can say I really enjoyed this album, I think it's not a universal classic, flat out. If you if it's your personal classic, like for you, I know like Joe Budden and shit, but. That's yeah, cool. Which I think he has classic mixtapes, not a like, classic album. I think sure. I think that's cool. But when you say it's definitely a classic, mm-mm, I don't see it. <sighs> Fuck, that's tough. <laughs> you are tough. I mean, again, that's what brings up our next topic: is classic rap albums that people don't consider an instant classic, but should be. Like, yo, you know what? That is really a classic. And people are like, mm, and it really doesn't get its just due. You dropped a list on Twitter earlier. I'm trying to find the list. Do you have the list? I just know. I can tell you it off the top of my damn head. Okay. <laughs> oh, I got it off rip. What albums, and your shit was, I don't want to be derogatory, super backpacky, which isn't bad because I like a lot of those albums, but you didn't diversify your list at all. But what albums are classics that you think people don't give that title to? So the reason why my like I, I appreciate your slander. Um, the reason why my list was super quote unquote backpacky is because in the late '90s and early 2000s, rap that was considered backpacky was never getting the credit it deserved. So that's why my list consists of a lot of albums that were completely overlooked by the masses because they didn't have radio hits mm. and they weren't deemed classics. So my list is one like Water for Chocolate, Common. It's a classic album. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. It's not even this. Okay. Continue. It's not even what? I'm not sure if that's his, his best album. I, I mean, mean, we're not, look, we're not look, doing best. We're not doing best. Look, we're a lot of people, gonna, people so are going to go with B. So that's his third best album. Oh, yeah, okay. People are going to no? go with B. Okay. People yes. are going to go with B as this classic album. That's his number one, correct. Yeah. But I challenge you. more than one classic. Go listen to Like Water for Chocolate because the album is almost 20 years old. With Dilla production, with the things that he was doing with Primo on the album, it's a classic album. Uh, two, Talib Kweli and Most Def are Black Star. It's hmm. kind of the reason why I got in, into hip hop journalism because they three and a half that shit in the source. <laughs> that was it. That set you. That set, set me off. off. It okay. set me off because there's no way in hell that Most Def and Talib Kweli, which redefinition, well, definition, redefinition, brown skin lady. Um, Thieves in the Night, 
that shit, the lyricism on there and High Tech's production was incredible. It also busted the doors wide open for Rockus Records. And that's when you saw the underground permeating into the mainstream. And if there wasn't a black star and a Talib quality and most deaf being as successful as they were, I'm not sure if we even have a Kanye West. Oh, okay. That's fair. I mean, uh, I, I mean, we still have a Dilla. So that yes, we have a deal. But if we if we didn't have if we didn't have a deal, we wouldn't have a Kanye. But the reason why I say this is because Kanye, when he first came in with Quali's dropout, who did he reach out to? Quali. We might not have had Kanye the rapper. No, we may have still had Kanye the producer. Yes, but but so okay. There, next album. This is debatable for a lot of people. But the first time I heard it, and it still holds this day, is "Blue and Exiles Below the Heavens." To me. It's not very much debate. Like when I heard this album, I was like, what is this? Because there was no preconceived notion. Nobody knew who the hell Blue was. Nobody had a clue who Exile was. And this album is incredible. It's a classic. Okay. Four, Slum Village Fantastic Volume 2. The production that Dilla delivers on this album by itself <laughs> is, is make what makes yeah. it a classic. Listen, Slum Village before Elzai was not even the most super lyrical group. But if you listen to the way that Dilla chopped things like on songs like Players or Concrete Gardens or, uh, I mean, Climax? Climax, like Climax might be one of the best girl hip-hop songs of all time. And, I mean, I like, listen, I like the song. I'm not arguing with you. I'm, I'm just saying, in my opinion, for a group that nobody had ever heard of, Play Climax, like, especially nowadays, play Climax with somebody who has no idea who Slum Village is and watch how they react to it. Every girl I've ever played has ever heard that song go, ooh, what's this? That's what Dilla <laughs> did better than anybody. Five, Little Brothers of the Listening. This won't be debatable for me. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's your lane. Of course. I mean, it completely... Yeah. It completely thrust Ninth Wonder out and Fontaine and Big Poo out there. Another album that completely came out of nowhere. It the reason why I call it a classic, and it might not even be their best album. It could that might be the Minstrel Show. But the thing about the listening was, for a lot of people, it brought us back to hip hop who left it because we felt like it was super jiggy by two thousand three. Mm. And when Little Brother came in, who were the name is the descendants of De La Soul, Tribe Called Crush, Jungle Brothers, it gave us that feeling back. Because Nice Production was incredible, and we had never heard somebody rap like Fonte, especially somebody from North Carolina. Yeah. Rally? <laughs> yeah. So am I missing one? And now it's a hotbed of hip hop town. It's crazy. Right. It, it, it all came from a group called Little Brother. Yeah. Is, is, is that all my albums, or am I missing one? You were missing one. You had six, but I'm oh, not what sure what the other one. Oh, I didn't actually. It was I didn't put Little Brother on that list. It was Foreign Exchanges Connected. Foreign Exchanges Connected because the little I think for a lot of people the, the Little Brothers the listening was already a classic, so it wasn't like something that wasn't considered a classic by people that heard it. Foreign Exchanges Connected is a debatable classic for a lot of people, and I completely understand why. But what Nicolay Infante did over the internet back in the day before you people were, were making albums without even meeting each other like Nicolay was in the Netherlands Fonte was in North Carolina and they made this album and I remember the day that I got it I was like what the hell is this and it's got like the smoothest cuts on there 
and the rhymes are dope, but then there's like singing and shit. And then Foreign Exchange became what they are today. So uh, that album is on there. And the last one is J Lives All of the Above. And that another album, New York rapper, underground, didn't have a radio hit. But if you listen to that album front to back, there's like nothing to skip. And J Live is an incredible lyricist, self produced a vast majority of it. And I love when albums are like that. Yeah, and it's just, it came out of, for, well, for a lot of people, it came out of nowhere. It didn't for me because I heard the best part before it. So, yeah, those are my six. But I, I, the reason why I say this because a lot of people have never heard those albums. I think that's where a lot of it comes from, right? A lot of this comes from people just never heard the albums. So it's just like the people who have kind of consider it a classic. But there's so many people who haven't listened to the albums that it's, you know, it, it flies under the radar. So that's why I really like this topic in this list when I saw it on Twitter. Um, okay, yours was super backpacky, but I like it. I mean, it's it's on brand. I feel like I had to go and, like, give you some shit that was on brand for me. So um, let me start off with my backpacky shit to just, no pun intended, backpack on your list. So... I also have Most F Quali uh, Black Star. That's all mine. Cool, right? I, I think that's a universal album that is a classic, though. Like, you see people shitting on that? Duh, I told you it got three and a half stars in the source. Yeah, yeah I mean, a lot of mics. shit. It was unappreciated when it came out. Three and a but half? Do you that's know how, ridiculous. That's, that's like saying Clerks. That's like saying Clerks isn't an amazing movie. Oh, like, it wasn't. It wasn't. Exactly. It wasn't understood necessarily when it came out. It's just a cult classic now. Like, no one now is going to say it's not a classic. That's how I feel about Black Star. But I threw it on the list because it was on your list. Like, now looking back, if someone says it's not a classic, you just got to walk up and slap the shit out of them like Bernie Mac in Head of State. Because that <laughs> it's almost undeniable that that's a classic. But I put it on the list. Um, another one in the same mold before I go off on a tangent is The Roots tipping point mm, the roots have one. better albums right i'm not saying that this is their only classic that's a good one but i think this is an album that people overlook in their catalog i uh, really yeah. like tipping point as out i look man this is this is one i won't argue with you on because it, you're right it, it may not be the roots best album i think things fall apart will always be their best yeah, album, in my opinion i agree but yeah. that album gets overlooked because the roots have put up so much quality music so yeah i get so that much one. heat but tipping point i think should be a classic now oh, shit. <laughs> now it's time no uh, i was gonna troll you with ray shrummer you know that shit is fuego I'm but sorry. no i'm not i'm gonna leave that gonna leave that alone um next up is not that controversial actually i think prodigy hnic is a classic album i don't think it's a classic but i can see why because alchemist yeah. production was Fantastic, and then Prodigy just killed it. Yeah, yeah. having thir- incredible awards, crazy. Yeah, like I, it gets overlooked to me. I think it's a class. It's it's one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time. So I'm biased, but I also think people don't give it its just due. I think people give higher regard to the Mob Deep album than they do this album. Yeah, and I prefer HNIC. But I'm probably in a minority. To me, that's a classic. Um, here goes the three random ones. Oh, God. And then 
One, I don't know how people feel about this, but this is something I don't hear too much about because it's general. It's kind of new um, in the scope of hip hop. But J. Cole, 2014 Forest Hill Drive. Classic. If Cole has a classic, that is it. That's and to true. me, that is his classic. That's his best album. Well, yep. Drake has two classics. Well, Kendrick has two, maybe three. This is Cole's undeniable classic, and then we start arguing. I'll say it's deniable, but I can see the argument. I personally enjoy Born Center, but I can see why people like Forest Hills Drive. Um, I played Forest. I played uh, Born Center front to back a lot. That was an album that I was like, I can't even skip a song on here, but I still okay. wouldn't call it a classic. But so I get it. Forest Hill Drive from the opening to the subject matter. Yeah. Even the people that say Cole is boring. I was like, you can find a moment on there that you like. That's a good yeah. album. I think this was his coming out party. Um, damn, I thought I had two more, but it's three. This one you'll definitely agree with. Wale, album about nothing. Yes. I, I almost put Already. that on my list. Already. It is a classic album. And people just love to hate on Wale and shit on him. That is a classic album. That that album is, um, it's a weird album because when it hit, people were like, this is cool. And for the people who liked Wale with like 10 deep mixtapes, that was the Wale that I dug. Um, not that I ever didn't dig Wale, but that album was like everything all his previous work was supposed to be. Like the Middle Finger song, that's like, that's oh, yeah. like the epitome, that's like peak <laughs> Wale, like finding himself. And, uh, yeah, you'll get no debate from me. Like, I played that album recently. And then having Seinfeld on now, I'm like, come on, man. This shit was great. Like, and being, I'm a Seinfeld fan. Like, it hit his core audience perfectly. So if there's a reason why it's a classic album, it's because sometimes, if say, like, you have a favorite rapper or you go to a rapper for something and you listen to the album, rarely do they give you everything you want from them in one project. They might fuck around and pull a jay-z and give you a sunshine you know where you're like fuck what is going on here like you know they'll throw something in there even lupe has fucked me up from time to time throwing some random shit on there like lupe i think the cool is a classic album i don't really need gold watch like i, like shit watch. Like, I don't like gold <laughs> like that's, that's why i don't cool. love it like, but it's yeah cool. like to me like don't fuck up the album man so when you look at it, Wale delivered the perfect album for his audience. There's not one track on there where you'd be like, really? You reached for this shit? No, none of that. You went for Wale, you got Wale. Track one through whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that's classic. My last two were crazy and off the wall. Uh, next one, Mace Feel So Good. <laughs> I'm going, fuck. You hate the shiny suit stuff? You hate all that shit? Mace Feel So Good, Are front to back? Me? Classic. You're 20, serious? 24 hours to live. Amazing. You're serious. Play a hater. Yeah. Play, come on. You're serious? This is a classic album? I'm, play a hater might be on Big Drive. I forgot the one that's on Mace's album. Um, it'll come to me in a second. But yeah, it's a classic album. Even with the Jiggy shit. It is a classic Jiggy era album. Man. And then it's just a classic album. <laughs> Total? The total track is fucking bonkers on there. Dude. Jay-Z had one of his... I love that Jay-Z guest verse. With You're him serious? and C's on the track. You're serious. I'm dead serious. Mace Feels So Good is a classic album. Feels so... 
I listen to it at least once every other month. Well, first Still of, first and foremost, the album's called Harlem World. Harlem World. Feel, feel So feel Good so was good the first was single. single. Yes, Harlem World. <laughs> Blue cover, Harlem World tattoo on his shoulder. I get it. Yes, Harlem World. I don't know why I feel so good was stuck in my head. Dude, Wanna Hurt Mace? Are you serious right now? Yeah. If you Wanna Hurt Mace. Uh, oh, the Becky skit? <laughs> hey, Becky. Look. Come to the floor. Look, look, oh, look. this is this Mace. Here, here's, here's, here's where I'm laughing at you. That shit's fire. I, look, Mace's album, I thought when it came out, it captured the, the shiny suit era, the bad boy era, everything that it was supposed to be, it captured. I think that is very true, and it captured a great moment in time. Classic? Mm-mm. 24 Hours to Live? Incredible song. Um, but there are some cringy moments on that album. But Like what? Okay, there's some shit that does not look up me? in 2020. But, I mean, just some shit that's questionable you can't play in public in 2020. Looking at me was hilarious. Um, I really like uh, Take What's Yours with DMX. Love You Mad So? Mad Rapper interlude. Oh, ooh, Mace, I love you so. Really? That shit was you, fire. That's a classic? Oh, yeah, God. That shit was fire. Right. Oh, man, the back. Once it hits Feel So Good, What You Want, the phone conversation. Cheat On You is the joint with Jay, which is incredible. Cheat On I You. I need to be... I need to be with Monifa, which is completely, completely banned in 2020. Like, you can't play that anywhere, because that shit is just ruthless. We, on our last show, we talked about Vince McMahon painting a 19-year-old into a love story. This shit takes that to another level. The song is dope, though. Wanna Hurt Mace? And then Jealous Guys is the best, one of the best outros in hip-hop. You can, it's you're hard pressed to end a end an album better than Jealous Guy. This is the not no a... puff hits and then takes a breath, <gasps> be it keeps going. That yes. shit has it's funny tears, fan. Like classic. That shit is a classic shiny suit era album. Yeah, I, I, I will I, die I, on that hill. Mace <laughs> feels so good as a classic I album. Will, I will plant a flag on where you <laughs> passed away because that's not gonna be. That will never die on the Mace Hill. Did you like Blinky yeah. Blink? I did not like Blinky. I knew Blinky Blink. He was a nice person, but no, I did not like Blinky Blink oh, man, as, a, as a rapper. Like, did you yeah. like the Rugrats song too? Was that your jam? No, I did not. No, that wasn't with Maya. Me. With Maya, I mean Maya killed it, but Dang no, me, it wasn't for me. Dang, you sure? Yeah, because like yeah. a lot of this Mace album was kind of okay. Listen, man, it's not a but classic. Blinky Blink, Cardan, Cardan was cool. Yeah, yeah, the whole crew. All right. What's yeah. your last one? Because that's ridiculous. That is, hey. um, and the last one, I should have saved that one for last. Just blew the doors off this shit. But the, uh, now the last one, which I'm sure people are going to disagree with. I don't care. It's my list. Game Jesus Piece. Yeah, no. I think it's a classic album. It was so different for a game album. Everything on that could have been a single. I, I think that's... I don't understand where the documentary is and like the documentary is his best album. The album that I listen to more is Jesus Peace. And I don't think it gets nearly the credit it should have got. Front to back, that shit is good. Like the Ali Bumaye track to open that shit up is crazy what him and Two Chains do to that beat. Wild. And every beat on that shit is just filthy. Everything feels big. It's stadium music. Like, whew. You want to get hyped, throw on that album and let it rock. I mean, look. That's man. my shit right there. Good album. I, I could have went with YG, by the way, but yeah. I didn't. See, no. Good album. That YG debut album was legit. Your threshold for classics is very thin. 
It's like, yours is extreme, extremely tough. Which you can argue is, but it's classic, so it should be extremely tough. It, that's I the point. It. That's the point, man. I mean, if you sell every painting for a million dollars, then it ain't worth shit. Listen, you, there's a lot of trash though. Like, listen, I'm not painting every other album as a classic. There's still maybe a hundred classics in eh, 100, 150 in hip hop history. 150 albums drop every other week. So it's not like there's a large portion of classics. Yeah. I just... Jesus Peace is a good album. Not a classic. Jeezy? I don't like it. Not a classic. But I can see why people like it. Yeah, you're going to be hard-pressed arguing that down to a lot of people. I Like, dude, there's just certain albums when I listen to Outkast Equimini. Does it come (laughs) close to that? No. No, There's a lot of albums that don't do that. That's why, like, my ceiling is high you gotta jump like you can't just jump you need some help to get up there where i put albums there's just no way i could just give albums that i really like a a classic no that's so tough because then that's like i don't know comparing everything to omega okada like yo omega okada is five stars so like so cena punk can't be five stars it's not omega okada but it doesn't have to be like what, said, what's like no, when you listen to no, Quemini, no, no, like no, 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 that's no. tough. What no, is going to you no. got like ten ten no, albums? That's no, hold you have to. to like Illmatic is a yes. feeling and th- that can't be achieved again. Good Kid, Mad City is an album that can't be achieved again. Quemini is an album that cannot be achieved. I cannot. You cannot take two rappers on this planet and duplicate Quemini. I can. How many classics I, do they have? Outcast. Yeah. Three. Okay. I don't think Stankoni is a classic. The first three. Yes. First three. I don't think Stankoni is a classic. A lot of people disagree with me. I don't. I don't either. I don't think it's a classic. It's it's really good. It's borderline. I'll give him three and a possible. It's it's a four and a half album. Like, here's here's my thing about... And I don't count Dre's solo. No, I don't count those. But the... The, Yeah, I don't count those. Speaker Box Love Blow, I don't count. Here's why I say Stankoni is not a classic. It's a really good album, but I personally... Think that Goody Mob's first album is better than Stankonia. That Goody Mob album is legit. It's incredible. And I'm very, but I think it, but for a lot of people, but I'm on the fence of calling that album a classic. And because of that, and I don't think Stankonia is better than it, I can't put Stankonia as a classic. And I think Goody Mob's, like that album is is like 4.75. So when we talk about albums that I think are classic, okay. they can't be duplicated. Like when I listened to Young Jeezy's Thug Motivation, I was just like, I can find another rapper to do this. When I listen to the game's Jesus piece, there's nothing there that I can't find another rapper to necessarily do. When I listen to Food and Liquor, I go, oh, there's nobody who can do this. Not at that particular time. That's fair. You know what I'm saying? So for me, when I listen to classic albums, there is a there's a different level. Like Fantastic Volume Two with Slum Village, nobody was producing like Dilla. Nobody yeah. was chopping like Dilla. And I was like, yo, you can't you can't recreate that 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 type of music. Like you just can't do it. What Little Brother was doing coming out of North Carolina, you can't do it. You just can't. So that's why my threshold, like with albums that I think are really good, because even Forest Hills Drive, as I listen to it, I'm like, this is a really good album. But somebody else can do this. Mm. That's tough. Is listen, man. Is J Cole really that dope of a lyricist? Like, come yeah, on. like is he? He's really fucking dope. Like when you say someone else can do this, four people 
in his generation could do it. That's about a lot of people. Like well, when you what say I'm someone else is, can do this, is like, yeah, Kendrick can do this. Like you give Kendrick's the same beats, but like he's gonna produce a classic. Well, what right? I'm what I'm saying is is Four Sills Drive is is a really good album. But what I'm saying is it doesn't necessarily for me capture a moment in time that is that like it doesn't do that for me. It captured that moment for Cole in my eyes. To me, that was Cole's breakout aha the talent is here like the first two projects were oh he's dope but what the fuck happened to mixtape cole or his potential is this why isn't he that oh he's boring i don't like cole but this one hit and it was like oh like it's it's when tracy mcgrady stopped being traded or you know he on toronto you're when like, vince oh, carter t-mac yeah like t-mac you're really good but then he gets to orlando and you're like oh that's now now you're Trace McGrady to T Mac. Oh, okay. To me, that was J. Cole's moment of that. It, it wasn't a moment per se in hip hop. Same thing for me with Wale. It's not a moment in hip hop necessarily. And like, can others duplicate this? It's this is you reaching your hundred percent max potential. And it came and was as good as I thought. So going on that same little analogy with Trace McGrady, is Tracy McGrady a top twenty player all time? No, not top 20. But mm. if we're talking about top 50, eh, no, I, don't, I don't know if he's... Maybe, right? Maybe. He's, that, he's French. Yeah, he's but that's, French how, that. that's how I feel about Cole. That's how I look at Cole. I'm like, Cole's a really good rapper. Like, he's really good. But there's nothing that Cole's ever rapped that I was like, this is outstanding. I think it's good. I think Forest Hills Drive is like a near oh classic. God. Return to Simba is just fucking amazing to me. To me, I think that's his best song. What album is that on? Like, yo. It's on a mixtape. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> look, hold that against me. Like, I'm just saying. What, what I'm saying is, Forest Hills Drive. When you say he's reaching his max potential, which I agree with, I think at that yeah. point he peaked. Like he he really broke through. But that yep. doesn't make it a classic. That makes it his best work. Doesn't make it a classic, in my opinion. That's fair. What, but I can. I but but with Cole, where I can't see your argument with Maze, with Cole is I was like. <laughs> I can see that being a debatable classic, whereas just like Drake's Mace nothing. Mace is the best shiny suit I don't ever care. album. I don't care. Stop it. Back. Stop it. That, you're talking about a moment in hip-hop and a culture in hip-hop. You can't ignore it just because you disliked it and wanted backpack shit that it wasn't a huge could, movement Could Mace rap? Could Mace rap? Are you really? Are you going to yeah, really tell me? Wait, 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 wait. Are you really going to tell me this version of Mace Feel so good, Mace was a rapper. Now, I'm not talking about Murder Mace that was on the mixtape. I'm mixing. Yeah, I was about to say Children of Corn. Mace. I'm, I'm talking about it. this version of Mace. Is no, this he a, dumbed it down? Listen, it was a shiny suit era. Listen, the locks listen. weren't rapping at their highest, and that wasn't classic, puff. right? That wasn't and, classic. No, it wasn't what you okay. got in Jada's solo, okay, or even Styles P's solo, which I think is really what, good. What, like, what's the what's the genre of music we're talking about? Rap, right? You need to learn how to rap. And Mace was not rapping on that album. That album's fucking legit. Okay, <laughs> look, I'm dying on this hill. The album's I, fucking legit. I, I I will never take the words being a you know a fan of backpack rap as some kind of slander because I like people who know how to rap well. Me too. Listen, I like that. I also like the balance of some people who don't rap as well, but put out good music. That I'm happens. okay with having a balance. Yeah. That, that happens. But what I'm saying is like with J. Cole, I think J. Cole is really good at what he does. But I don't think personally that J. Cole is like extraordinary when we cut. I don't think, you don't J think he's on the level of Cole and Drake. I don't, I don't think he's on the. No, I think 
I think actually him and Drake are very close. With Drake, there's sonically something different about Drake that separates him from everybody. That's just a Sonics thing. That's How that, high up do you have Kendrick? I, I told you, Kendrick. I think Kendrick's far better than Cole. I, but and at this point, far better than Drake by what you're saying. No, like. no, I th- no, because <laughs> Drake, I look at as he's. I can't even compare Drake. To, like he's a different type of artist, where it's hard to even compare anybody to him because nobody does what Drake does. The problem with Drake, in comparison to somebody like uh, Kendrick and even Cole, is Drake lacks weight. And what I mean by that is there's nothing that he really rhymes about that's going to stick to your ribs five five years from now. It's going to come right out. J. Cole, on the other hand, will say some things, and you'd be like, wow, that, that resonated with me. Not just on some emotional, I need a girl type of level, but on a social level. Kendrick did that with To Pimp a Butterfly. Kendrick did that with Good Kid, Mad City. But Drake is different. Like, he is the epitome of a pop star in 2020 culture. There's nothing like him right now. There is no person who can make hits like Drake. So I can't compare him to anybody. But Cole, I think, I don't want to say Cole's an overrated rapper. But I don't think that, I also. <laughs> you got dangerously close to saying that. That's because he's like a backhanded. Compliment. No, because like, what I'm thinking, there are people that think that Cole's like this amazing rapper. But can, Cole can't rap better than Lupe. Cole, no, I mean, few people can't. Can, okay, well, well, I'm going to keep going. Is Cole a better rapper than Jada Kiss? Is Cole a better rapper than Pusha yeah. T? Yeah, yeah, Cole's better than Push. And He's I a really better like rapper Push. than Pusha T? Correct. I don't think so. I think so. And of his era, yeah. Like, so we're now we're reaching back like 20 years. But I understand we're in the grand scope of things. But even like if you put it into like eras, like we do in boxing, right? Like you, you put it into eras like 2010 through 2020, four people of his generation, of his era, can maybe rap better than him. Maybe. Nah, I and I give more it than four to, people. Ooh. Kendrick, Drake. Because when crit. Drake gets on his shit, Crit, crit. that's, yeah, I put Crit above him. That was mm-hmm. another one. I put Cole above Wale. Wale's in a conversation. Mm. See, I don't know. That's about it. I like, don't know if I put Cole above Wale. Oh, and Big Sean is the other debatable one. Yeah. I, and I put, I put him above Big Sean. Well, I put him, I think Big Sean is not that great. Yeah, I know. I know where you stand up, Big Sean. Yeah. So, uh, but no, to me, it's those six. In their generation, are hands and above everyone else. I think I, again. See, when I say this, I, I don't want people to say I'm saying Cole is whack because he's not at all. Cole is not whack at all. I just think that there's a level like Cole is really good, but he's not great. But he's really good, and that's when you made that Tracy McGrady comparison. I I see that, but yeah. I won't say Tracy McGrady is the top twenty player of all time. It's like I don't, a Russell Westbrook. Topic that one time where you're just like, oh, yeah, it's really good. He's not great. No, like he's not carrying team. Like, <laughs> it's just not. Like, look, at, look at Russell he's Russell. He's stat-stuffing. He's stat-stuffing. Yeah, he's punching the box, man. Like, the man's not winning rings. He's just not. But I, I appreciate his engine and his motivation and what he does. But it is what it is. Westbrook ain't getting no goddamn rings. Not with that style. Cold-blooded. 
J. Cole is a Russell Westbrook of rap. But he's not the Russell Westbrook because oh, J. Cole is not selfish. Like, Russell Westbrook, I'm not saying Westbrook is selfish, but I think Westbrook is known for taking really bad shots. Yeah. And Cole, Cole doesn't do that. Like, so Cole's he's the pretty, James Harden. Great. So he never wins a championship, but he wins a couple MVPs. Maybe. Yeah. But I, like, again, I think Forest Hills Drives is great. I personally like Born Center. I think Cole has great albums. But I think he's right there with Drake when you say nothing was the same. It's like, is it a classic? It's really, really, really close. And some people really do believe it. But I don't think he has an undeniable classic. I think, you don't think Drake debate. has an undeniable classic? To me, Take Care is an undeniable classic. I see, I, but I see people who don't like Take Care. Wow. It happened. Oh, and I think. That's crazy. And I, but it's like. I think nothing was the same with his best album. I've said this a million times. I think it's to yeah. me, it's a classic that I'll play front to back. But if somebody says it's not a classic because there's no weight on it and there's nothing, he's really not saying a whole lot. I can go, yeah, I, I okay, I concede. I can concede that point. Okay, classic albums always have something to say. Yeah, that's you would think. A lot of those late '80s. And we're gonna Early dead this conversation. Might be a little, little thin. We're gonna dead yeah, this conversation by Harlem World had nothing to say. <laughs> Harlem World is fire. I'll die on that hill. You guys stay tuned. We'll be back after the break. And finally, we're gonna get into some boxing talk because we had a big fight over the weekend. You guys stay right there. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody. We are back and we are talking boxing. So we had a top-ranked card that happened over the weekend. And we'll get to the Katie Taylor fight and everything here in our last segment before we get out of here. We'll close the show with that. But we have to talk about the top-ranked card. So, Dre, we had the prelims on ESPN+. Plus. I'm covering it. I got to watch the whole thing. So that's from 7.30 to 10 o'clock. Tons of finishes, tons of knockouts. That goes quick in a blink, right? Get to 10 o'clock. People got to wait a half an hour. Why? Because Florida's putting the ass-whooping on... 
Arkansas. And the game is super long. All right, people wait until 10.30. They're complaining. We get on at 10.30. Co-main event is up. We have Andrew Maloney versus Joshua Franco. Maloney lost his title to Franco two months ago, three months ago in the bubble. This is the rematch. Maloney wants the belt back. It wasn't his best performance. Cool. They get in there. Maloney immediately gets to work. Throws 50 jabs in the first round. I think a total of 70 punches. You're like, oh, this shit is going to be good. It's warming up. Both guys are getting loose. They're both letting their hands go. And it's over midway through the second. And that's because Franco's eye swells shut. Like, you can't see shit out of that eye. The ref calls it. And Maloney thinks he earned the TKO. Nope. It is deemed a headbutt. Which means it would be a no contest. Well, thankfully, Nevada State Athletic Commission has replay. Trey, how did they fuck this up? Yo, I don't know. This was this was the most absurd use of instant replay I've ever seen in any sport. Because in the NFL, if you if they're reviewing a touchdown or a fumble or anything, none of this shit takes thirty minutes. And when you usually take 30 minutes, you're probably going to overturn the call. You're looking for evidence to overturn it. Here, Robert Byrd, relation to Adelaide Byrd, two people who just clearly can't see shit right, looked at this replay, along with Bob Bennett of the Nevada State <laughs> Athletic Commission. Good old Adelaide Byrd. After Russell Mora falsely claimed that there was a headbutt, but here, I'll give Russell Mora a little bit of a pass. He's in the heat of the action. Maybe he had a weird angle. And he was like, all right, his eyes swell up real quick. I'm not sure what it was from. So I'm going to deem it as a headbutt. But that's why you have instant replay. You have these people look at this instant replay. Now, obviously, they couldn't hear the commentary team or the however million, many million people were sitting at home yelling at their TVs, like myself, to see that this was a jab. It was a jab, and there was no headbutt. And Andre Ward and Timothy Bradley... And Tess, Bob Arum, every boxing journalist, <laughs> people who just finished watching the the uh, the uh, Florida game, uh, the ring girls, my grandma in Puerto Rico who called me midway through the replay. Yo, there is nobody <laughs> who sat there and watched this and was like, "That was a headbutt." But then they kept watching the replay, looking. It's a six-minute fight, six. It took 30 minutes to review a six-minute fight to look for something that wasn't there. And at the end of it all, they deemed it as a no contest. So this poor man, Jason Maloney, traveled from Australia to come to the States to leave his family at home to train for a fight to win a world title. Doesn't get that opportunity because a bunch of old men are inept. And can't figure out how to fucking look at a replay. At all. Technology. I knew it was over once Tess on the call said, well, they're on the phone with our production truck. I was like, oh, it's over. I was like, they don't even got it in front of them. There's no controls. They don't know how to rewind. Like, when you got to call somebody to rewind, it's a wrap. Like, you don't. I was. It reminded me of Zoolander. 
when they're trying to figure out how to get the files the out computer. of the computer. It's in the computer. And they're just like looking around the back of it and like banging on it and shit. That's what it reminded me of. I was like, nothing good is going to come for this. And it took 30 plus Somebody, minutes. And then the other issue is, and listen, I know you work for ESPN, but the production was wild for this show. People like the production. No, I'm not talking about liking the actual production. I'm talking about the fact that at some point, somebody's like, somebody needs to say, yo, hurry this shit up. Like, because... Oh we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you waited from the uh, the Greer fight and then said you know what we're gonna wait until this game ends which some people were pissed at but I get it because you know college football rules so yep. you wait until the game ends and you go cool we're gonna roll right into the the arguably the number one pound for pound fighter in the world you guys should watch him doing all this promo that makes sense but if you're on the East Coast and you just finished watching college football and decided. I'm going to leave the channel right here so I can watch this fight. And then proceeded to watch the fight that you weren't advertised to get. Because nobody talked about Maloney being the lead-in for this fight. So you, you leave the channel on. You're like, well, who are these two guys? And you're like, yeah, I'm going to watch this fight. It's like, ooh, his eyes roll up. Cool. Oh, man, they're going to call the fight. And then you have to wait 30 minutes for them to decide this? I'm going to sleep. If I'm not a hardcore boxing yeah. fan, I'm out. Mind you, it's already like midnight on the East Coast, dude. While they're trying to do this, so it was. It was As long. a person who works at the Zone and had to sit through the nightmare known as Canelo Kovalev, as we waited for the Diaz Masvidal fight to end, and there's that to be that was way worse. By and the way. that's egregious, dude. It, like for the decision, the way the decision like that was a fucking nightmare. But that was way worse because we were waiting on a fight to end. But we were also waiting on a game to end with ESPN. But then we had to wait through a replay. There is th- this was inexcusable. And that's not that part's not ESPN's part. But I feel like somebody at some point would be like, "Hey, Robert Bird, Bob Bennett, we got a fucking fight to put on here." Yeah, we're live. Like, yeah, like, like we're li- we have nothing to fill this time with. Like, th- no, just you know what? Review this. Let's bring out the next fight and middle. If we got to announce it in the middle of the next fight. We will and be like, hey, they've come to Yo, a y'all should like ESPN should have ran all, clear, clear the They should have ran all their stuff. packages, should have sang the national anthems and be like, we'll get back to you with a decision later because clearly this fight yep. is over. It's not like the fight can continue. It's not like they're going to go, oh, was a headboard or wasn't head, but resume action. The fight's over. At that point, you should yep. say, you know what? Let's get Terrence Crawford out here with Kell Brook and then we'll let the viewers know what was decided. See, I think I think the problem is no one knew it was going to take 30 minutes. You always thought like, oh, okay, the decision's gonna come back. Oh, okay, the decision's gonna come back, and they just never came back <laughs> for thirty minutes. Like it's ridiculous to then just get it wrong. But I will say, this is probably the best thing that could have happened to Andrew Maloney. He beats the shit out of him, wins the title. All right, cool, whatever. People just think, all right, yay, it's time for Bud. Him getting robbed did more for his profile and his image than anything else could have done. Now go back out, book a trilogy, and get your belt back. But now people will watch because you did get robbed. And now they know your name. See, I don't know. It sounds good in theory, right? It becomes a headline. It becomes a story. But when this fight is finally booked, the the people are going to go, oh, the the fight that I fell asleep on? Because it's it's not – it wasn't like it was a good fight. To be fair, they didn't fall asleep on the fight. They was eating, feeding them punches. They didn't fall asleep on the fight. They fell asleep. But on that's the what I'm replay. saying. Like, so I don't think. Like, it's I like, watched six minutes of action. I watched one dude beat up the other dude and get called wrong. Why do I need to see this rematch? That's what a lot of people are gonna think because it wasn't like it was competitive and this shit happened. 
Maloney was giving him hands. Yeah, I think people were going to say, oh, he's robbed. I want to see him. Okay, let's see him beat the hell out of him again and actually get his title. At least they know his name to tune back in. Uh, They'll forget it. People didn't know his name. They'll forget it. Yeah, they got to play heavy, like, promo-wise. We got to play heavy at ESPN on the, oh, he was robbed last time. Jog people's memory with that because at least they now know it. And then, um, anyway, so we wait another 30 minutes. After a six-minute fight, we wait 30 minutes to find out the decision. He loses. He's robbed. Gotcha. Now it's time for the main event. And we get full WCW pyro. Like, Sting is coming from the rafters. Lightning, thunder, craziness. Kell Brook comes out. I forgot what song he even walked out to. I don't know. Something newer. Kell Brook comes out, comes to ring. All right, cool. Crawford comes out. They do the theatrics. They stand there. People like this straight. People said it was very well set up. And then he comes out. Shaka Khan. I liked it. Listen, I know you like it. But we're not the audience he has to win over. Well, not that. Who, I mean, sooner or who later. Who could he possibly have come out with and people were like, cool? Because I, I, I don't know, man. Like, But I, I tell you this. like, There's a reason why Gervonta is a pretty big star as a black athlete. It's because he hangs out with fucking the baby and Lil Baby and whoever else. Lil Dirk or whoever else. Lil Summer or another. And they walk him to the ring. Lil Uzi Vert. His last, like, they walk him to the ring, they rap, they're on his IG, all this shit. Like, this is why people kind of know of him, and then the knockouts help a ton. Bud's not even trying that. <laughs> like, listen, I like the Shaka Khan song, but this is not going to win you any fans. I don't think, I, I wouldn't care. If, if, if my entrance is the one thing that's going to deter people, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to do what the fuck I want. And that's what he did. Because who was really talking about the entrance? Who, it, let's be honest. From most boxing entrances, who really talks about them the next day unless they're really spectacular? Like Floyd Mayweather would do really spectacular things that we remember. Mayweather. Yeah, exactly. But, People wrapped him out. He dressed like different characters. People talked about it. You, sir, you at Big E. I did. Do a Shaw Porter one. Yes. Do you know the importance of entrances? Are you downplaying an well, entrance? You know the importance of this. And I understand it's not Bud, but sooner or later, Bud, if you if you want to force the hand, if you want to be a bigger star, you got to meet halfway. You can't just be like, yo, market me as I am. Okay, who are you? Country kid from Nebraska. Like, all right, Bud, let's give us something. Like, this, these little touches go along. Yeah, but what if you don't like that shit? Then that's fair. Then you come out of Shaka Khan and you just put on a fucking thing. But in, in the end... If you'd never reach superstar status, not that that is even his goal. I really think Bud's goal is to be the best of this generation and see where he falls all time. And he's more concerned with getting the fights that will make sure he can say, I was the best, than being the biggest superstar. I think his ambition is to be Floyd Mayweather. Unlike many people, you know, young or around his age and younger. I don't think he wants to have his own money team. He's not Adrian Brown. He's not interested in that. So, like, I yeah, I didn't. I thought coming out to Shaka Khan was something that Bud Crawford does. I don't think any entrance would have made him a bigger star. Because yeah. who? I mean, listen, I I saw the Wilder and Fury entrance. That fucking Wilder entrance was great. Before we learned that he blamed it on the forty pound suit, but when he came out, oh, that shit was dope. Yeah, but all we remember is what he lost. 
Look, I mean, Bud wasn't going to lose, but we'll get to that. But, but I'm saying the, the added touch, like Tyson Fury coming out on the throne with the crown. And before then, Tyson Fury did the Rocky entrance. And then before then, it was like uh, Mexican Independence Day or Cinco de Mayo. And he came out and he was the Spanish Gypsy King. He came out with the that sombrero. That fits his personality. Okay, but he knows you got to do little touches. Like, But there's something in Bud's personality that he could bring. Not that. I mean... But plays Call of Duty all day. Do a fucking Call of Duty themed. Yeah, sure. Like, do the Black Ops, drag someone through the Gulag, and then fucking come out with the crazy Call of Duty theme. People, that would have went viral. Yeah, but that's again, that's, that's part not of who you, are. you gotta, you gotta give me something. I, give me something. I, look, I agree that I'm not telling the man to TikTok dance, but I just, I agree that Bud Crawford has to do things to win people over, and I think that's a personality thing. But like. To be critical of a walkout, nah, I'm good. A lot can go into a walkout. But, nonetheless, we get into the ring. It's fight time. So, talking about a little bit of the X's and O's of this, the sweet science, Bud Crawford comes out first two rounds, orthodox stance, as if people been listening to the show, if you don't know, Bud Crawford is one of the best switch fighters, damn near of all time. Like, it's what he does. It's flawless how he can switch between stances. He decides to come out in an orthodox stance. And we see in the first two rounds, Kel Brook loves that. And he's feeding Bud the jab. Even though Bud has a much longer reach, Kel is finding a home for the jab. And Bud has no answers for it through the first two rounds. That's how you saw it? I didn't see it that way. How'd you see it? I saw it as... And Bud's a slow starter. Yeah. I get it. But I said I saw it as Bud was he gave Kel a look, which was opposite of the look he usually gives when he opens up a fight. And he took his time to figure out what Brooke was doing from that particular stance. Now, I'll take it a step further. Kel Brook doesn't fight with a plan B. A lot of fighters don't fight with a plan B. They kind of put their cards on the table and they don't give you a lot of tricks in like the sixth, seventh, and eighth rounds. Terrence Crawford's much yeah. different in that regard, where he doesn't give you much, and that's what makes Floyd Mayweather great and Andre Ward great. They don't give you much early, and then little wrinkles start coming out here and there because what they're doing is they're adjusting to what you're doing, and I think that's what always will make the best fighters in the world. They'll look at you, nothing in the corner at that point. There might be little things that says, oh, he's giving a tell. He's like shaking his hand before he throws it, something shit like that. But for the most part, Crawford was looking at that, because there was, there was nothing that Kelbrook was necessarily threatening with. But I think Terrence was just kind of looking at, okay, he's going to work this jab. And that's his game plan. <clears throat> and I'm going to give him three rounds to work that jab. I'm going to switch stances and see if he still commits to that jab. And what did Kelbrook do? He ran away from the he jab. Re- briefly. <laughs> he stopped Briefly. Yeah. But then he came back to it. And when he came back to it, what was Bud doing? Because now we're, we're talking about those later rounds. Because Bud teased that going over that jab with that, that right hand the entire time when he switched stances. Oh, yeah. He kept teasing it. Yeah. Every time Kelbrook fainted the jab, he, he'd paw at it over the top. And then, yep. That was the John Jones. Just touch their hand and just keep your hand out there and paw on top of it so you can feel it as soon as it moves. Yeah. Bam, and next time, the next time you talk to Bud, ask him this because I, I want to know if I'm wrong. What I think Bud was doing was at this point – now he was seeing that, well, Kel's going to stick to this, and I'm going to see what, how he reacts by me going over the top of his jab. And I think what, what he noticed was he's not. 
He's not reacting. Yeah. Like instead, he's not like moving. instead of him <laughs> completely abandoning the jab and doing something else, he didn't have anything else. So for that, that for the duration of the, the last half of that third round, Buddy realized like if I stay in the stance, the only thing he can possibly do is go back to what he was doing with it, is his jab. And in the fourth round, what did he do? He went right back to his jab. jab. Bud, who had been playing with the over, going over the top with his right hand the entire time, kept showing him it. And Kel did not react to it any different. So then finally, Kel was like, I'm committing to this jab. I'm going to try to throw a right hand behind it. Too late. He walked him right into the right hand, ended the damn fight. So I don't think that I don't think there was anything that (laughs) Kelbrook necessarily did that was offsetting to Bud. I think Bud was looking at it like. I can't believe he's still doing this shit because from that point, because I like I said, um, and I think you might have said this too. I was like, it, it could be competitive, quote unquote, for the first few rounds because Kel's a good fighter. But once Bud figures yep. it out, it's over. And I thought it was going to go nine. But I think he was so surprised by Kel's commitment to that jab. He was like, this motherfucker don't have a plan B. I thought it was going the distance or it was going three. I was closer to the yeah, three. It's just because. Mm. Yeah, like, I mean, Bud said as much. Like, yo, I'm going to go out there, first three rounds, feel them out. But even then, it was like, once Kel got hit flush once, it didn't look like he wanted to be in there. Mm -mm. Like, And I understand, you didn't see it coming, right? Like, those always hurt the most. You you didn't get your wits about you. And Bud is the wrong one to need a breather against. So he hits you and you stumble halfway across the ring from a short right. And then Kel at that point, though, when he's looking at the ref, it's just like, I don't want to be here. Like, kind of has like PTSD from getting his eyes broken, it looked like. Well, see, remember when I told you? Like where he was like, here we go again. You yeah, did. I told you. I was like, this has nothing to do with his orbital bones being fine. This is a mental thing. Now I'm getting hit. And yeah. how is my body reacting to this? I don't like it. I know what it feels like to lose, and I don't want to be here anymore. And that's what happened. Because like, he, he sold y'all on all that shit. I'm rebuilt, and he looked fantastic at the weigh-in. But I never said, the one thing I won't say, and I won't accept from a lot of people, is like, Kell Brook is completely washed up, and he's a bum. No. Kell Brook can still beat a lot of solid 47-pounders. And I, I can't find too many people that will be able to get him out of there the way that Crawford did. But... When, when he got into the trouble, his mind went back to the fifth round with Golovkin and the 11th round with Arrow. And his mind was like, I don't like this. And I don't know how to get out of this. Because it's not one of those things where Kell Brook was in trouble and fought his way back into the fight. Once he was in trouble, the fight was over. And Terrence Crawford got him in trouble. Kell Brook recognized his, his, mus- his this muscle reaction was like, I don't like this feeling. And he didn't know how to fight his way out of it. And Bud, arguably one of the nastiest finishers in boxing, doesn't he? There's no, oh, you know, I'm not gonna play with my food. He doesn't play with his food. He likes to play clean. And Kel was food. That was a wrap. <laughs> food indeed, because once Bud had him hurt, and you just saw it inside. Bud wasted no time getting that finish no time at all and i think that's the best quality of bud crawford mind you his punching power is insane for a guy his size at 147 but his freakishly long arms will help that 
His punching power is crazy, but his mentality to finish is like none no, other. I mean, he's. I, I said it. There's a mean streak in Bud Crawford that other fighters don't possess. Other fighters want to win. Bud wants to hurt you. And that. Look, we'll talk about this real quick because I got to mention this because I said it on Twitter and I got a lot of shit about it. After the fight, there was the video of Bud immediately going to play ping pong after the fight was over. He, the man had just been in a fight and goes to play ping pong. And you have told me about how competitive Bud is. I've heard about this. And they started to play into this a little bit more about how competitive he is. Andre Ward mentioned on the broadcast, there's nothing that Bud is not going to argue with you about. He's going to try to win at everything. And I said, there's a really frightening competitive nature that Bud Crawford possesses that I can only compare to few. And one of those few is Michael Jordan. People's like, ah, you're calling him Michael Jordan? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what Bud possesses is this thirst for competition and being the best. Yep. And other fighters win a fight and they'll be like, oh, it's, a, it's like an adrenaline dump, and they'll be like, I just want to chill. And I hear fighters say this all the time. For Bud to go into immediately competitive game of ping pong with somebody, <laughs> I would hate to be his friend. Yo, you got to see this man play chess. I love playing chess. This motherfucker, again, it's, it's, you're not far off when you say it's Jordan S. If you beat him in one game of chess, you ain't leaving for like three hours. Because it's not like he got to beat you once. He got to beat you like five games in a row to prove it was a fluke. Like, it's that level of competitive. And, and see, and that's like, in basketball terms, that's why I always said Jordan and LeBron were like different. Like, LeBron can turn it yeah. on and off. And some people say LeBron doesn't have the killer instinct. And LeBron, like, nobody ever said, I never said LeBron doesn't want to win. But Jordan wants to win in the worst way possible. Where it is vengeance, where it is mean where is evil where he will berate you he will degrade you he will do everything like you've heard if anybody's listened to the stories that other players have tell like kevin garnett um the story that he told where i can't remember who was playing defense on, on jordan the game and was like i got you and jordan only had like four points in the first half and he lit, lit him up for like 33 in the second half it didn't say anything and just looked at him and then kevin was like we're fucked that's what terrence crawford possesses he has that innate ability to be like, I'm not losing. There, and, like, and if I do lose, I'm going to be so angry about losing that it's going to make it worse for you. That doesn't mean he's the most skilled fighter. I just don't see fighters with that kind of mean streak in them. Like, I don't like to lose. But at a certain point, I'll back down from an argument with my wife. Right? I don't think Bud backs <laughs> down with an argument from anybody. And then he can whoop your ass too? It's a weird combination and it's frightening. I mean, it's not the guy to get a fist fight. Like, they were talking on the broadcast and telling those stories, and I think it was part of Kriegel's story. But his mom says, like, I paid oh, kids yeah. in the neighborhood to fight him and beat him up, and he'd never lose. She said, I was putting up, like, $10 for anyone who could beat him, and no one would beat him up. No one could. His mother was betting against him and not winning. His level of competition forever has just been insane. So now when I look and I say, okay, what's next for him? I'm not sure if I see someone beating him. Oh, I, I, because I don't know if he knows how to I lose. I still think Earl Spence is a huge problem for him. In a literal sense. 
Because Errol's a big guy. And Man, I don't think... Reach is the same, but hits like a truck. Yeah, so does Errol. I mean, he broke Kel's orbital, bro. <laughs> like, so, okay, we'll just get into what's next. What's next is simple to me. Either Bob Aaron makes these fights, or he needs to let Bud go. That's it. There is nothing for Bob to do under the top rank umbrella. It's a waste of time. Oh, I agree. I, I think the guy's 33. You, you take what you got to take. Even if you got to build in rematch clauses to get Bud what you think he may deserve on a rematch on the back end, then you do that. But if Spence wants to start 60-40, you got to give him 60-40. I think... You just got to do it. But you don't even... I, here's, here's how I look at it. I don't even think you really needed to do that. It's like, I think you go to Heyman and you say, look... Any of these four motherfuckers, give them to me. I don't care who it is. Porter, Thurman, yeah. Garcia, Spence, winner. I don't care. Give one of them to me now. And if you say, oh, 60-40 for, for Spence, fine. I'm going to build my own cache by beating up all your guys in succession. Because the deal needs to be, I want them all in order. Like, it's either Spence, Thurman, Porter or Porter, Spence, Thurman, any combination of them, those are the fights that I need next. I need every single one of them. I don't care which one you give me, give them to me. That's the only way this should be played. Because any fight, like if Terrence Crawford goes out there, let's just say he beats the shit out of Keith Thurman. Let's just say he does that. It's going to be real hard for people to digest that Spence won't take that fight. They won't accept it. And that's what puts the pressure on that fight to, to happen. But Terrence has to fight people that matter. Like, if Terrence went out there and beat up Sean Porter, let's just say he knocked out Sean Porter in seven. You think people going to... You think anybody's going <laughs> to listen to Errol Spence saying, nah, he ain't ready for me? Like, you think anybody's going to want to hear that? No. no. But the only way this no. can happen is if Bob Aaron goes across the street and says, listen, Spence, no, any of them. Give me one of them. And then the last one, and I got a lot of shit about this, is like, it ain't going to be Manny Pacquiao. And people are like, yes, it is. Manny Pacquiao don't duck from nobody. Uh, y'all not paying attention. Manny ain't here to fight the best in the world anymore. He's on his way out. I think, I think Bob is going to give Manny a lot of reasons to take this. I fight. don't. Because you, you know where the money's coming so. from? The Middle East. You know who Manny can fight in the yep. Middle East? A, tra- a trash anyone. can, a chain link fence, <laughs> anyone, a chair. Like, like he, he literally um, will make the same money fighting an inanimate object as he would Bud Crawford. So I think if you're Manny's team, and especially Freddie Rose, Freddie is the one who really doesn't want that fight. You look at the Conor McGregor fight and be like, I sell more in the Conor McGregor fight than I ever would with a Bud Crawford fight. Ever. Yep. And honestly, the more winnable fight in boxing is the Mikey Garcia fight. And you pro- you still make the same money. I don't think there's any reason that Pacquiao might in his head be like, yeah, I want to do this. But his team is going to be like, no, we don't want you to go out on your seal. This is might not be a winnable fight. If it was, they would have made this fight years ago. I agree. I think it's going to happen. I, I, I don't. I think, I think I, Pacquiao is the focus now. I still think Mikey has the inside track on Pacquiao because it's a more winnable fight. Defend the belt and then figure it out. But I, I don't think the money is the same. I, I honestly don't. I don't I don't think the Mikey Garcia money is the same. I, I know the sales aren't the same. I don't think he sells as much on pay-per-view against Mikey Dude, as he does, bud. Dude, the Middle East is paying for this fight. 
Oh yeah, no, I, I, I again, I understand and, that. And but there's more money to be made. Al Heyman. And and Al Heyman. I'm not That's even. That's it. I understand. I'm also not sold that. Heyman and Mikey go to the Middle East for that fight, and that's the fight the Middle East pays for. I think they pay for Conor McGregor, which is more of a spectacle. And I think Bob can talk them into paying for a Terrence Crawford. I'm not sure they're paying necessarily for a Mikey Garcia fight. But I know they want Pacquiao, right? So the argument's like, we just want to see Pacquiao fight. But I, I think there's also levels. There's not. Here's why. Who's Benny Pacquiao advised by? Al Heyman, not Bob Arum. He Al has Heyman. Bob has. Well, I, I know he just signed with Connor's crew too, so I don't know. He has like a million different. But Bob doesn't have any leverage in this. Manny left Bob for a reason. Oh yeah. So yeah. I know, like, because Spence wants to pack out. You think Spence is going to fight pack out? I don't. I don't. So I don't think if it's Spence, if it ain't Spence, it ain't going to be Bud. I, I sincerely, I, I still say Mikey. Mikey's the inside track. If not, if he goes Connor, like say Pacquiao says, fuck, I'm just fighting Connor, I think he gives up the belt. Like, I don't I don't know how you keep the belt for two years and not fighting. I don't think like Manny don't give a shit about that belt. Yeah, I think he just vacates the belt and says, fuck it, he don't give a fuck about the belt. Takes the payday. And then that's where Bob would have to say, Yo, Bud, you're going to cha- yo, we need Bud to challenge for this belt. And then PBC says, okay, but we're either going to give Porter or Thurman as the challenger on our end. And that's how you make the fight happen. Manny has to vacate that belt. Yeah. I, now it's like, okay, I, cool. Now we're now they're fighting for a unified champion to see who then fights Errol Spence. That would I mean, make I just sense. don't think there's any scenario that Bob can pitch Bud Crawford to Al Heyman for a Manny Pacquiao fight. And Manny Pacquiao's team is like, yeah, we want to split some of this with that side. I just don't see that happening. Especially in a fight that Manny's yes, gonna, that Manny's probably going to lose. So I, but I see like Mikey, because Mikey is not going to ask for the same amount of money. That's clear. Like If Bud fights, they're going to ask for some money. Mikey's not. He just wants to fight. So yeah. I think... I mean, again, you beat him, you just elongate the inevitable. You beat him and then you fight Connor, and then you just not... You're not going to fight anyone again. Yeah, I think, man, dude, Manny's 40. He doesn't have Manny's to. done. It's yeah, a wrap. It, like, Manny has... Beating Thurman and beating Broner... And, like, everybody should know this by now. Broner was never a real threat. He was the perfect fight for Manny Pacquiao. Keith Thurman was yep. also perfect because he had so much time off and everything about Manny has to do with timing and Keith's timing was out of whack for that fight. There was nothing he could do with Manny. Fighting somebody like Terrence Crawford, he'll get beat up. <laughs> Dare to be great, Manny. Dare He's be already great. been great. Um, but yeah, no, if you, if, you can't, if you can't make the fights, then yeah, he might have yeah. to go. Because you can't, just realistically, you can't pay Bud four to five million dollars every fight against people people don't know because you're not making that's stupid man just you got to figure it out make a fuck make a deal should get off the pot we're at yeah. that point i agree i think it could work though if if it's not manny i think he can stay with top rank and get one of those other pieces you I were talking so. about and start forcing spence's hand that or you vacate like or spence says fuck it i'm tired of waiting goes up i don't know but I don't see that happening either before those two fight. I genuinely think they're competitive and they want to fight. I do each too. Other. 
Yeah, so I, I think they want to make it happen for each other. They're just trying to figure out, okay, when does this make the most sense? And it makes the most sense now. Immediately after this. If fans were allowed in, like we could say they're fighting in May and there's no Rona, oh. or there's like a Rona vaccine, you sign them both up right now after these next not. fights. But I, I don't think you can say no, that. that. That's the hard part. Without fans, that's, it's always going to be the biggest hurdle. Yeah. Because then you want them to stay kind of active. They got to defend a belt. Then she and you don't want to and you don't want to do Crawford Spence in the Middle East, right? Because they don't give a shit no. about either of them. Manny Pacquiao, global no, superstar. Crawford Spence, yeah. no thanks. Keep that shit in America. That shit should be in Dallas. Stadium. Yeah, but you got to like you want to have fans. So I can see that's the only argument. That's why I say you do like if you're doing Errol Spence versus Danny Garcia on pay per view, you can do Terrence Crawford and Keith Thurman on pay per view. I'm not mad at that. Yeah, like, well, that's something they got to figure out. But I think one of those guys are definitely in the future for Bud Crawford. I don't see him now at 33, about to be 34 years old. I don't see him taking a fight against anyone else at this point. I think he's done. I think he's done with the mandatories and the bullshit. No more Kavalaskis. Yeah. I think it's done. Like, is this with top rank or is this without them? But there's no other options. So... Um, let's hit our last break when we come back. Just a couple minutes left in the show, about 10, 12 minutes. But want to talk some women's boxing. So we're going to take a quick break. Be right back with that. We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we are back, and it's a quick wrap and end to the show. But I wanted to give women's boxing some love because, honestly, they deserve it. So uh, Katie Taylor main evented a card on the zone earlier on Saturday that had some really good women's fights. You mentioned Harper before. Uh, I think it was earlier this show. Yeah. But you mentioned the Harper fight. I thought she looked great. And she has a killer instinct in the co-main. And I think her and getting on the mic afterwards and calling out Michaela Mayer, who was signed to top rank, who is also young and full of potential, I think that fight is going to be great. I agree. And Harper's a, an animal in there, by the way. She is just the hell with defense, the hell with anything. I'm going in there to slug it yeah, out. Yeah, that's what we that's what we need. Like we need some people like that in women's boxing. We need some people who don't give a shit yeah. and are gonna willing to go to war. Fuck the sweet science. Let's do this. We only got two minute exactly. rounds, I ain't got time to waste. <laughs> I got time for that other shit. Which is impressive because Harper stops yep. people. Two minute rounds, you give her one minute rounds. She's getting people out of there. So I was like, damn, what, this is going to make a good fight. She broke her hand, has to heal up from that. But uh, at least even broken bones are like six weeks, eight weeks. It's just, you know, when a boxer starts breaking their hands, it worries yeah. me. Especially with her style. It's like, oh, you don't, you don't want to see that happen too much. But 
I'm really looking forward to that. Hopefully her and Mayer can get together and unify the belts, and it'll be very exciting. Um, her Eddie Hearn, at the end of it, said he wants her to be undisputed, too. That goes through Michaela Mayer. Now. Definitely. Uh, she just got a title, so that's going to be very exciting. Katie Taylor in the main event, to me, what, Katie's easiest fight as of late? Yeah. Because Katie usually picks some very, very tough people to fight. But I always looked at this fight as a stepping stone to a bigger one, and I think that bigger one is Amanda Serrano. Yeah, if they can get the business down for the Serrano fight, that's the that's really the fight to make. And yeah, just pay, just pay Serrano. She said they offered her pay cut. Yeah, they, that was a whole pandemic take, thing. Like, they they needed to figure that part out because Serrano, she is a multiple division world champion. She is a damn good fighter. Seven, yes, I believe. She's, a, she's she's approaching like, Pacquiao. She's levels. in. She's the person that Katie Taylor needs to fight next. She can't really bullshit with this one. You got to do it. You got to do it. And to Katie's credit for this fight. She was really trying to make a statement by knocking Miriam Gonzalez the hell out. Gutierrez. She was trying to knock her out. She couldn't do it. But the fact that she tried means that she knows what she's here to do. She's trying to make a statement. She dropped her like twice yeah, or something. Gutierrez ended up being she tough. Was, That's all. But yeah. uh, all in all. And again, Katie's Katie's same way. She'll throw, and she is not scared to get no. hit back. She, she And she's an Olympian, but she can fight. So it's the fight to make. It's the fight to make now. Do it. Easy. And I have both of them in my top five pound for pound um, in the women's division. And it's great. We have this list. I see it brought up on Twitter all the time now. Uh, shout out to Clarissa Shields, who uses it all the time to just drop it on people. Like, oh, I'm not dope? Bomb. I'm rated number one, bitches. So she uh, she crushes it on Twitter with that. But uh, I obviously vote for the pound for pound list on ESPN. But I never asked you who's your pound for pound. That's Clarissa. In terms of women. Like, Top. It's Clarissa. Okay. It's Clarissa Shields. So Katie is not passing. Her. Not if she beats yes. Serrano, then I might put her past her. But right now it's Clarissa. Um, two-time Olympians gone over the trans hasn't been in a close fight at all. Katie Taylor arguably no. lost to Delphine Pursuit the first time. Um, it's damn near a draw. Right. Second. So it was two really, really close <laughs> fights. And I'm not saying that it makes Katie Taylor whack. I'm just saying Clarissa's level of dominance. Compared to Katie's uh, difference maker, but if Katie can beat, oh, sounds like my case for butt over Canelo. But, but all right, I'll continue. The problem is Clarissa doesn't have the resume that Canelo has, so there. Oh, I don't know. She was the fastest to three division champion ever. Uh, she beat the chick whose uh, wig came Thank off. Thank you. If that's the her name, they, they're in. I, I know. I know her name. No, I know her name. All I'm saying is, there's no like the resume doesn't stack up because there isn't really a resume there to stack up with. If Katie Taylor beats Amanda Serrano, who's a multiple division world champion, definitely on the pound for pound list. Oh, that's easily the best. Best exactly. But when you look, um, I was thinking about Cruz Desern. Her wig flew off. Sorry, she got three names. I forgot. And then the Christina Hammer fight. Yeah, Christina Hammer wasn't that really, really that. But that. But my point is, is that. But that was a big it fight. Was, it was. I mean, you, it, she, that was a big name for her to just come out. But that, and that's my point. Like, everybody they put in front of her, because uh, uh, Francois Desiree Cruz is a world champion and a really good fighter, and Clarissa pretty much dusted her off. Katie Taylor having a problem with Delphine Pursun, who a lot of people were like, Katie Taylor should walk over, had two tough fights with her, yep. is the reason why I can't put Katie above Clarissa yet. Chris, if she were to dog Amanda Serrano... Then it becomes a strength of schedule thing. But we're not there yet. 
because neither of them have a really strong schedule. All we're looking at is a bunch of eye tests. I mean, you got to do that for a while. You right? do. We're like, just really establishing this boxing. division. Yeah, yeah, we're establishing women's boxing. Yeah. So it's going to be tough like this for a while. So you have that. I struggle with, I put Amanda Serrano at three. But Jessica McCaskill in that win over Cecilia is hard yeah, to I ignore. can't ignore it. Like, she looks so damn good in that fight. So I'm, I, 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 it's tough. Again, women's boxing, man. Like, a lot of people are just getting to know a lot of these women that are fighting. Yeah. And it's not. And thankfully, they're fighting each other, though. Like, it's starting to work out where it's yeah, like. Yeah, they're just okay, not wasting any I time. Can start they're they're stuff. like, all right, let's just do this. Like, whoever needs to fight, let's fight. That's what I'm saying. Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano needs to happen now because the public needs to know who these women are. Yeah. And then again, I, listen, if Serrano doesn't get the Taylor fight, I don't mind if she gets a McCaskill yes. fight. She's got options. It looks like. Yeah, it looks like Brekus is going to get the rematch, though. Yeah. But she can fight at featherweight there. Like, let's do that. She has plenty of options. And Cecilia looks good. And I don't think she was watched in that no. last fight. There's a lot of good fighters um, on the women's side. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be great. Wanted to give Katie Taylor her just due, though. And I think there's a lot of great options down at those weights. You know, 126, 130, 135, to me, is stacked at the women's route. I don't know necessarily what's in the future of Clarissa Shields. I don't either. Because it's a little thinner it up there. It's rare, rare. It's more chance for people to catch her on pound for pound than it is for her to separate. The one thing I want to talk about before we get out of here is Eddie Hearn said, there's a legit possibility that Katie Taylor could fight Cyborg in a boxing match. Good or bad for where she is in her career? Who, Katie Taylor? Katie Good. Taylor, not Cyborg. Good. Cyborg. Yes. Really? <sighs> because she's still in legit boxing matches. That's like, true. it's to go and do an he, MMA match here's now kind of takes away from your here's relevance. Why. If Katie Taylor fights four of these women, she's done. There's nobody left. She's got time. So this could fill some time. Because Katie Taylor's already fought twice during the <laughs> pandemic. She's busy. Yeah. She can go out there to stay busy and beat Chris Cyborg, get her name up even higher, and headline a, a big event. And people are, are in the building to watch her fight Amanda Serrano, whoever it is. She can do that, McCaskill, whoever. But it's not going to hurt her if she's staying busy. If she was like Gary Russell Jr. and fought once a year, then I say, no, don't do it. But, but she's going to fight three to four times. <laughs> well, three times a year. I don't see her fighting four. Three times a year, and Cyborg's one of those fights? Sure. I, I would it? Yeah. I would. It, it shouldn't be next, but yeah, sure. Why not? I, I don't think Cyborg wins that fight. I love yeah. Ariel Hawani. He tweeted, though. He was just like, a uh, high-ranking MMA official says he thinks Cyborg can beat Katie Taylor. I'm like, Cyborg isn't going there and get the brakes beat yeah. off. Uh, she thought Nunez's hands were crazy. There's levels to this game. So that'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, I was thinking that. And Cyborg's huge compared to Katie. I was like, damn, can't even find someone in her weight class? Yeah. Like, it's not going to be good. But, listen, to each your own. I, Eddie Hearn does this. He puts YouTubers on the card. So what, what can I say? He's doing a great job with the women's division, though. So kudos to them. Shout out to women's boxing. It's been a great show for us. 
tons of hip-hop in this show, which is always fun. And then, of course, wrapped it up talking boxing. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully, you guys are staying safe and Rona-free out there. Make sure you follow us on social media at cornerpodcast underscore on Twitter. On Instagram, it is at Corner Club for Life. You can follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hell on all platforms. Shout out as well to Blue Wire, the network. Shout out to the sponsors. Dre, before we get out of here, pre-orders are open for your book. Yep. The the old man in print. Make sure where can people find this? Where can we? Well, you have the link. Book? It's a it's Gumroad, which is the uh, the other publisher with Halfway Books. So link goes is already going to be live by the time you listen to this. And uh, yeah, man, please, the, I don't ask for much, but I I could use the support because we want to prove that this little project that we're doing with Say Serrano is going to yield some results and get some support from the people. So um, Corner Club putting up the bad signal. Support your man. I got a book. And then if this does well, I'll have another. Yes, we're going to support this one so then we can get the life and times of Andreas Hale, a young man growing up in the streets of Las Vegas. All right, we got to (laughs) go. Listen, we're funding the book, people. We're funding the book. Uh, Once again, thanks, everyone, as always, for listening. We got one more show this week. It is our MMA show. That'll be coming out later. Make sure you guys check for that. Until then, though. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto alert rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.